it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Tonight, we have episode 197. We're going to answer some great listener questions we got recently, and we're going to do our best to answer them to our full capacity. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to my friend, Andrew, and he's going to go ahead and read the first question. Thanks, Dave. This is a long one, but it's a good one. I'm sure we'll have plenty of the chat about for it. So this one says, hello, Andrew and Dave. First off, before anything, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your advice, education, and guidance over your podcast with emphasis on the education. I really enjoy them and look forward to them every day. Most of my stocks, I've researched a bit to both of your advice and mostly have my portfolio is based on a possible future outcome. The future I am basing my portfolio on is a hopeful and cleaner future. I have stocks in wind and solar manufacturers and their energy companies, along with lithium mining and lithium manufacturing. I'm trying to establish a good long-time investment portfolio with some of these companies, and I'm looking to have some non-energy focused stocks along with them. I currently have several, and he has some in his wish list. He's looking into dripping or double dripping them and basically waiting for a good time for that. He says, I don't have anyone to talk to about stocks. I wish I did and don't know how smart or incredibly stupid these decisions are or how the outlook on this investment is. I'm hoping maybe perhaps you or Dave might be able to shed some light on this or steer me in a better direction. Well, that's a great question, obviously. And I don't think that this is a stupid or foolish uh, decisions. You've picked some great, I don't know what companies, because the companies aren't laid out, but based on the sectors and the industries that you're choosing, especially for the the cleaner and greener, that is those are fantastic choices. If you were lucky enough to get into Albemarle at a good price, then bully for you because that's a company that I would really, really like to own. 
And it's definitely on my watch list. As a matter of fact, I made a little dream list, if you will, not too long ago. And that's definitely one that's on there. So after doing all of my research on the green field, in particular solar, that was really something that I really, really wanted to get into. I think there's a lot of great opportunities out there. And whether you want to talk about the ESG or any of those aspects of of investing, I think there's really little doubt that the economy as well as the government is wanting to move us towards a a greener energy source. And I think that's just the way things are going to go. It may take a little bit of time, but I think that's definitely the direction we're going. I know that I've bashed Elon many times on the podcast about Tesla, but you have to give him props for really kind of pushing the the envelope and getting the car industry in particular to change course. And they really all have. They've seen they've seen the light, so to speak. And I can't think of a car company that is not proposing to be almost fully electric. So not that too far of a distant future. With the new president really trying to move the economy towards a greener economy, I think this is something that's really going to become a regular feature and a regular thing that people will will talk about. As far as trying to find investments outside of energy that are green, that's going to be a bit more of a challenge. I think one of the things that you're going to probably want to think about is looking at companies that I think are great investments that are trying to embrace this kind of idea. And some of them may be a little bit outside of what you would normally think of. And a company that I'm thinking of in particular is Berkshire Hathaway. So Berkshire Hathaway is famous, obviously, for Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and for their insurance industries and for their tremendous investing abilities and all the money that they have in their stock portfolios and all that stuff. But what a lot of people don't realize is that they have one of the largest energy portfolios hidden within inside the company. It's one of their subsidiaries. It's called Berkshire Energy. And it is a massive, massive asset for the company. And they have one of the largest wind farms in the United States. It's based in Iowa. I know, go figure, Iowa. <laughs> uh, I can make fun of it because I'm from there. So you know, bear with me for that. But not only besides the wind farm, they have, I think the largest solar panel farm is being constructed outside of Nevada, and they are going to be the owner of that farm. And so that is going to produce enough energy, I believe I read, for 420,000 homes in the Las Vegas, Southern Nevada, parts of Arizona and California area. So it's going to be a, a massive project. So anyway, all that to say, they also have a large natural gas capability, which is not as green, obviously, but it is way greener than coal. And it's going to help not only Berkshire, but other energy producers to move towards greener futures. And so a company like Berkshire would be a great opportunity. But there's other companies outside of that as well that have really kind of started to embrace this idea. Amazon has recently proposed that they are going to try to be uh, carbon neutral in, I think, the year 2030. So they've already started investing in solar farms as well as wind farms to produce enough power to power their systems, not only their factory, the factories, their warehouses, but also their server farms where they run their Amazon web services from. So Jeff Bezos has really embraced this idea and is really pushing the company in that direction. 
There's other companies that have embraced this idea as well. I know Target has been working on putting solar panels on top of the roofs of their uh, buildings to generate uh, electricity, so helping them become greener. There's also companies out there in the construction field that are exploring ideas of carbon capture in cement. So using building a cement that will enable them to ca uh, capture carbon when they're laying cement for foundations as well as sidewalks and things of that nature. So there's a lot of technology out there that's really, really being embraced outside of the normal, I guess, avenues that you would think of for energy. And so I think to really kind of look at some of those things, I, I would strongly encourage you to, it, it was a simple Google search, honestly. I just, I just typed in, what are some green companies outside of the energy sector? And some of these companies started popping up. And I think what you're going to find is over the next few years, you're going to see more and more of these bigger companies starting to embrace that. I think Facebook is starting to embrace this, as is Microsoft, which makes sense because of you know Bill Gates before his scandal, his focus on all the all the green energy that he was really trying to embrace. So I think you're going to see more and more of this in just air quote regular companies as you go along. So I think you're going to have more opportunities to try to kind of invest along those lines. So I guess those are some of my thoughts. Andrew, did you have anything you'd like to add to my little epistle there? I it was a good epistle. I, <laughs> I think something we can learn from it is, and something that's key is it's, you don't have to invest in uncertain situations in order to ride the trend. So if we think of something that was kind of pushed, let's look back in the 50s, the government had a big push to establish all these highways back then. They spent a ton of money on it. And basically, you had a lot of different businesses who would benefit from that just by kind of riding that wave. So that's how McDonald's really made its name by putting a restaurant on every corner. And that's where you started seeing the gas stations and the convenience little centers where people would gas up and get snacks. And that's how those businesses really boomed. And so, you know, you mentioned some great companies in there, Berkshire being one, Target, which I'm a long-term shareholder of, them being actually one of the biggest solar producers out of some of the big corporations. That's pretty crazy for a retailer. And so like like Dave said, there's a lot of avenues towards whether it's owning your own buildings and, and investing in the solar farms. And you know, we haven't even talked about what else could happen in the future with regards to if the technology gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, because that's what it's continued to do. And so you'll see a lot of things that will sprout from different innovations. And so I think it's it's really hard to 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 try to pinpoint whatever the exact innovation is or whatever the exact kind of product will be that will take our economy to the next level. Obviously, every entrepreneur in the world is trying to do that. So I think as an investor, it doesn't really make sense to try to do that. But if you can maybe be intelligent about what companies are best positioned to ride that and move forward. And when I think of businesses like that, I think of businesses who are still growing, you know, businesses that are not decaying, businesses that are flexible and the ones that have strong enough balance sheets to be able to move or pivot to say, hey, maybe this is a, a way business used to be done. Now we need to go this way. Um, so you want to have businesses that are strong and, and have great growth and a lot of flexibility, 
because they're able to adapt when things change. And that's going to be true whether we're talking about the impact of green energy or whether we're talking about some other new innovation down the horizon. Yeah, that's that's a great insight. And other areas of things that you could look at are actually ones that you may not normally think of. One of the things that I tried looking at as well was some of the big oil majors are going to have to adapt. And if they want to stay alive, a company like Chevron or Exxon or BP or Total, any of those big companies at some point are going to have to embrace this idea. Because yes, we will need oil longer probably than a lot of people realize or want to accept. It's probably just that's just the way it's going to be. Oil is not just what we use for gasoline for our cars or a lubricant in our engines. It also produces plastics as well as other materials. So there's there's other uses for it besides just the, the gasoline that we... Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Think about with cars and pollution. There's also, you know, they're going to have to embrace some of this. And so that may be an option down the road as well. You know, some of that, of course, will depend on 
how you feel about those companies and them polluting and, and any of those kinds of things. So I'm certainly not trying to advocate for anybody to go against their their morals or what they are comfortable doing. I'm just trying to give people other options to think about. So those are just some some thoughts of of different opportunities that may out may be out there. But I think there are going to be more and more opportunities as, as time goes by. So it's not a foolish idea. It's not a stupid idea. Those are all great choices. And I think those are things that in the long run will bear a lot of fruit for you. So I applaud you for embracing this idea and, and really going for it. And being patient is going to be key because some of those companies are going to have a lot of volatility. And if you really believe in a company like Albemarle, for example, then it's sticking it out is worth it. So just, just be patient. All right, so let's move on to the next question. All right, so I have, hey, Andrew, thank you so much for your content. I have really learned a lot from you guys over the past year under the COVID lockdown and will hopefully keep on learning along my investing journey. I am an architect based in London and have been going through some of your and Dave's reading list recommendations and have come across a reoccurring theme in the advice from professional investors. For example, in Joel Greenblatt's The Little Little Book That Beats the Market, and from Warren Buffett in the latest Berkshire Hathaway meeting. The general recommendation for do-it-yourself retail investors is to stay away from stock picking and restrict themselves to low-cost ETFs. How do you square that with the outlook that you guys talk about? Thanks and regards, Ishan. Andrew, what are your thoughts on his really, really good question? It's definitely a tough one, and it's one I've thought about for a long time, and I've been thinking about ever since we started the show and even before that. I, you know, on, on the one hand, I totally get what Greenblatt and Buffett are saying. You know, if you look at their extraordinary track records, you know, you're talking about 45% annual returns in, in Greenblatt's case. Buffett has had years of 25%, you know, just crazy, crazy numbers, right? And these are guys who have been doing it their whole life, dedicated their whole life to it, spent, you know, if not every waking hour, every, every, nine to five hour that they have and they're extremely brilliant guys. And so I think when you hear somebody like that say that, hey, maybe what I've done, don't look at what I've done and try to try to repeat that. I think there's a lot of wisdom there because admittedly they will they would be the first to tell you how lucky they've been and how many great resources they've had and you know how fortunate they've they've been to be gifted with their different skills. That being said, I think that a lot of the advice, not saying this particular advice, but just advice in general to just when people, when people get into investing in the stock market and people tell them just buy an index and just hold it forever. And then that's, that's supposed to be the advice. And then you walk away. I think that's one of the worst things you can do for an investor because as an investor, you need to understand everything we talk about on the podcast, which is, you know the stock market's very volatile. The stock market goes through these cycles like the weather. It's bear and bull markets. You're not going to make money in the market unless you stay for the long term, unless you diversify. These are all principles we we hone on over and over and over again. It's very hard to get excited or even want to learn those things if you're not actually putting skin in the game and, and having companies. So when I look at my portfolio, I see businesses that when I look around in my life, I can see them making money and I know part of their profit is going to me. And so for me, that's something that's very inspiring and encouraging. 
to to have that sense of ownership and and to have gotten that very early and it's and it's really propelled me to to get really excited about this. And so that's that's what I personally try to do through our show to get people really excited about ownership of the stocks and the businesses that they feel comfortable with, they think they have a good grasp on and they see around them and they know that they're they're doing well and and it's this tangible thing. Whereas like a an ETF is just kind of, I don't know, thousands of companies or 500 companies. Like it, it's, it's hard to like, to think that any one company's making a difference there. So, you know, I think, I think there's a lot, a lot of value in having individual stocks in your portfolio and having that sense of ownership and getting excited about it. And I think a lot of investors can outperform the market if they do it in the right way. The problem is, is, it's very easy in this game to get overconfident and to think you have it all figured out or to go into it blindly and 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 not really know what you're doing so i think i i'm sure that buffett and greenblatt have seen a lot of people who have crashed and burned and so it's it's safer and and easier to say you know maybe maybe you won't crash and burn if you just go into an index but at the same time, there's a lot of benefits to to kind of going the direction that we preach on this show, and you know a lot of that starts with understanding. I mean, if if you've listened to more than two or three episodes of our show, I'm sure by now you ha- you ha- you are equipped to be able to weather whatever storm comes. So I I know that a lot of you probably were able to hold through 2020. Even though it was a very difficult time, people were freaking out. We thought the world was going to end. We didn't know what was going to go on with the economy. Many of you held your stocks because you knew that this is what you do and that this is what happens. If, if you don't have that backdrop and you start to try to learn about investing in the stock market when things are falling, when the sky is falling, you're not going to internalize very many lessons there and you're not going to be able to, to act appropriately. You're going to freak out. And that's what investors do all the time. So there's a lot of value to understanding these principles, getting excited about them and really internalizing them. And then from there, using that to try to earn excess returns in the market, that's kind of icing on the cake. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. That's all great advice. And I think the the idea of wording about the stock market when things are either extremely bullish or extremely bearish, which means their things are going great or not so great. And I think is is a really hard time to to think about trying to learn about the stock market. And the reason why I'm saying that is because in both cases, emotions tend to run hot or cold at either time. And investing the best investors generally are people that have little to no emotion, especially about their investments. And because fear and greed are two of the emotions that rule the markets. And when you're thinking about investing, one of the things that Andrew was talking about that I wholeheartedly agree with is understanding some of the basic principles. For example, thinking about uh, think about dollar cost averaging. So if you are not familiar with that concept or are just buying, I'm not saying just buying, but if you're buying an ETF and you don't understand the power of something like a dollar cost average, then when things go bad, 
you're going to do the wrong thing and sell out of your stock positions and then buy back when things are going well. And that is the exact reverse opposite of what you want to do. What you really want to do is buy more when things are going poorly. And I know that sounds counterintuitive to those of you who are not familiar with what I'm talking about. But what that really means is when when the stock market is going down and you're buying into the stock market, you're buying at lower prices. The stock market will turn around at some point and will start going back in the other direction. So let's just say that you're buying an ETF that matches the S&P 500, for example. If the stock market took a turn like it did in March of 2020 and started to go south in a big, in a big bad way very quickly, if you got scared and started selling out of your ETF that was matching the S&P, you would have lost all that opportunity to buy when, when that price of that ETF had dropped by 15 to 20%. If you had bought on the way down and continued to buy when it went, would have gone back up, then you're making that much more gains over the period of time. And it's basically what you're doing is you're reducing your, your cost average. So if you buy something for an easy number, if you buy it for $100 and then you buy it for for $50, now instead of it being an average of $100, it, now it's a $75. And when you buy and it goes back up to 100, now instead of one share at 100, you have two at 75. So now you have double the power of that stock price working for you. So even though you're, air quote, buying an ETF and not an individual stock, it's still the same principle. It's still the same idea. So although some of what I, I agree with what some of Greenblatt and Buffett say, buying, sometimes buying individual stocks can be a scary endeavor. And if you're not willing to put in a little time and effort and to learn about the company, I think that's really where they're going with those ideas is if if you're if you're not willing to learn about the financials of a company or learn what it is that the business does to make money, then buying that company is a bit of a risk. Whereas if you are passionate about that stuff and you are curious about those things and want to learn about those things, then that is going to give you a greater return over a period of time. But it really comes down to how much effort do you really want to put into this and how much time are you really wanting to spend looking at these things and working on those things? Because bottom line is not every single person wants to do that. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And buying ETFs is what all of our 401ks do is buy ETFs and we dollar cost average into those every time we have our paycheck contribute to our 401k. That's exactly what the process is doing. And so we're already familiar with that if you have a 401k. And if you do and you're not getting your match, I'm going to come through the, the radio right now and smack you. You need to get your match. It's free money. Don't give it up. Anyway, side note. So when Buffett and Munger and and Greenblatt and any of these other super investors are talking about those ideas. To me, that's really what they're saying is that if you're somebody that realizes that investing in the stock market is something that they should do, but they don't want to put the time and effort into it to learn at least some of the basics about the companies. So you kind of have a general idea of how you're going to pick the companies that you want to invest in. Then Yes, going with an ETF or a mutual fund or index funds is probably the, the, the right direction for you to go because that is going to be the safest way for you to do it. Now, if 
that is, if you have an interest in this, or you are passionate about numbers or companies and learning about business, I, I have to admit, I was reading through American Express's uh, 10K today, and I was utterly fascinated by the business of what they do. Because not only are they a credit card company where they have cards that they give people with lines of credit that they can buy and buy stuff with, and the company can make money from the interest on those loans and all that stuff. They're also a processing company like a Visa or a MasterCard, and they earn fees on that part of the business. And I knew that intuitively, but I guess until I read about it today, it was like, wow, that is so cool. So it was just exciting to learn about the business. And to me, that's a fascinating thing about learning about the stock market. And it's something that I'm really excited about because when I get to learn about a new company, it's like uncovering, you know, opening a new toy. It's something I get to learn about. And, you know, that's something that gets me really jazzed up. So yes, I'm a geek. I get it, but that's what I like to do. So my point with all this is, is that if those are the kinds of things that really appeal to you, then picking stocks is something that is definitely you should explore. If you just want to invest because you've been told that you should do it and you don't want to spend any time doing in it, then looking at something like an ETF is the right choice for you. So I guess those are some of my thoughts. Do you have any other things you'd like to add, Mr. Andrew? Yeah, I think you really kind of honed it down there at the end. You know, if 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 what if if you're if you want to do it, then you're gonna to want to do it and you know, if, if, if all it took is one person to say you shouldn't do it and now you don't want to do it, then yeah, you probably shouldn't do it because you don't have the temperament for actually being able to be successful with it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And here's another, another thought that just kind of crossed my mind. So <clears throat> I know some of these guys have talked about that viewpoint of people should just invest in ETFs. If that was really the case, then why is he writing a book about how you can beat the stock market or the little book that beats the stock market? If he didn't believe that people could actually do it, then he wouldn't be writing books promoting people doing that kind of idea. So I think he thinks that it's possible, but I think it really depends on what you want to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Gentlemen. Big fan of the podcast and new subscriber to the newsletter. Ironically, I recently bought some new shares of the recent EPEC letter before I read your latest edition, thanks to the advice I learned from listening to both of you over the last year. I have a question I am sure other listeners may have as well. What do you think about robo or digital investing? I currently use Betterment to manage my Roth IRA so I can set it and forget it. They only charge 0.025% annual management fee for their basic plan which is much lower than all the other managed funds. And the average return is around 8.8%. You could back this out. You could max this out and then use a brokerage account to buy other stocks. You feel have a nice margin of safety. This seems like the best of both worlds. Minus capital gains on the brokerage. Thanks, Jake. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Jake's question? I mean, I'm, I'm really against robo-advisor stuff. So maybe I don't have the most unbiased answer for you. Let's talk real quick about what that is. So basically robo-advisor would be like Terminator managing your portfolio or, or, or AI or whatever algorithm, however you want to just think of it. But basically the gist of most of that kind of stuff is you put in how old you are. So let's say I'm 
31 or 32 years old, somewhere in that ballpark. And, you know, they're going to say, well, because you're, you're not quite 35 yet, but you're above 30, maybe we should put you in 90% stocks, 10% bonds. And then maybe you turn 40 and then they're going to be like, okay, maybe we'll, we'll adjust you now and you'll go 80% stocks, 20% bonds. And they can kind of, they can adjust it that way through their formulas or you could tell them, hey, I want to be a little more risky or I want to be a little more conservative and they could change the numbers that way. And that's kind of how they do it. And so, you know, kind of going back to the whole ETF thing, you have that whole mix of it. But the downside to that obviously is is you have no control whatsoever, right? And so with that, you're basically at the very least, if you're talking to a financial advisor or or somebody who's picking stocks for you, at least, you know, you, you're able to trust them, but in this case, you're trusting like an algorithm or 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 a formula. I don't know, like call me old fashioned, but something something there. Uh, you know, I saw like a meme the other day. The context of this is Bitcoin has been crashing lately, and so there was a meme. They put Elon Musk's face up, and they had like the Karen hair, and it was like it was basically Elon Musk saying, "Can I speak to Bitcoin's manager, please?" <laughs> And, and you know, and I think of that when I think of something like a robo, where it's like an AI thing, and and you really don't have any recourse. And it, I just, I, I just don't like anything about that idea. So I could never recommend something like that. I have, I have experience with uh, Betterment. I used them. Gosh, when I first started working for Wells Fargo, I wanted to open an account where I could put some money in and invest it. And earn a better return than the savings accounts that the bank I was working for offered at the time. So I opened an account with Betterment, and it was very similar to like the questions. It was a basic Roth IRA, and I believe I could invest fifty dollars every paycheck, which would make the account free. If I had invested more, then it would be free. But because I was starting out at the bank, I didn't make a ton of money, so that was a a better choice for me at that time. So that's kind of what I went with. And they had several, I guess, menu choices that you could choose from. Like Andrew said, they were asking like what my risk tolerance was, how old I was, how soon before I retired, what my goals were. And then they allocated the money that I invested every month, every two weeks into the portfolio that they set up. And I so I had zero input in any of the choices, which at the time I was okay with, but then the stock market actually started to take a turn down. And so I kept investing, but it wouldn't let me, it wouldn't let me allocate to other things into some of the ETFs that were down more than the other ones. So I felt trapped because I couldn't, I couldn't, put the money in. I couldn't take the money out because then I would have to pay any capital gains on any gains I made because it had been less than a year. So I was like, oh, so I was trapped. But So I kept investing. But instead of putting more money into the ETFs that were down more so I could you know, take advantage of what we were just talking about with ETFs a few minutes ago, it, it locked me into a, a stylized portfolio that I had zero input in. And so I didn't care for that. And so when my year passed and I could sell my positions and take the money out without having to pay any capital gains on the short-term money that I'd made, I immediately closed the account because I just 
it wasn't anything that Betterment did that turned me off. It was simply the way that they had the portfolio set up that it wouldn't allow me to make adjustments to adapt to what was happening in the market. And I didn't like that. I just, it, it made me feel trapped. And so I, I didn't care for that. And so that was my experience with it. Now, I know uh, Andy Schuler, our, our business partner, he had an experience with a robo-advisor recently where the market, he's, I think, younger than both of us and or close to it. <laughs> and he, he was in a robo-advisor. And when the, when the market started to turn, it automatically started putting some of his money into it. It opened a bond fund for him and it started putting money into a bond fund for him. And he was very against that. He did not want anything to do with that. When the market was going down, he wanted to put more money into the stocks because he knew that was what he should do. But the robo-advisor, the AI, was taught the classic you know, rotation out of stocks into bonds when things start to go south. And he didn't want to do that. And he had no control over that. I know that was very frustrating for him. So there... There are some certainly some benefits to it because, like you said, it's a set it and forget it, and it can earn you a decent return, but it also gives you zero control. And so, if you're okay with that, then yeah, sure, fine. But if you're not, then I would, I guess, I would either ask more questions about whether this would be a good fit for you, or I guess think about is this something really that you want to really want to invest in. Yeah, I mean, basically, I like to have my hands on the wheel, so I rest my case. Yeah, <laughs> you want to be in control, right? <laughs> right. Okay, so uh, another thought about the ETF slash investing. So let's say that you really, really want to invest, but you, the idea of learning about companies and learning about the stock market and numbers and all that stuff just overwhelms you, but you don't really want to go the route of ETFs because that just kind of leaves you cold. So I guess, which way do you go with that? Where, where do you go with that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we've been trying to do with the e-leather and the, the whole thing of the mission of it, where if you just take $150 a month and if you're able to invest over 40 years, and if you're able to beat the market by just 1%, you'd have a million dollars. So that's exactly what we're trying to do and giving the best of all worlds. You can have ownership of some stocks. You get to use the research and and really the passions of myself and yourself, Dave, and, and our ability to, to be able to brainstorm on a lot of these ideas and able to use that and, and have the same, basically be invested in the same stocks that we're investing in and not have to be blanket covered by an ETF. So that's a lot of, that's a resource that's really not, Available to a lot of people who don't listen to our show as well. That can be another option if if the other options above don't sound appealing. Exactly, and you know the other thing I like about it too, though, is it's not just about the actual stock picks and following along with what we're doing. It's also about learning about all the other ideas that we're talking about. So it can be a great starter place for starting to pick your own stocks. And then kind of branching out from there because there's so much information in all the in all the write-ups about each company that that Andrew picks every week. There is a lot of great learning in, in, in there. I learned tons of stuff. That's why I like to read them. I mean, it's not just because it, it's a great stock pick and because those are things that and he and I have have kind of tried to hash out over 
the, the, the month, but there's also lots of great insight that I don't think about. So it's just another angle of looking at things. So as a stock picker, it gives me other ideas of things that I can embrace for things that I'm trying to do. So not only can it help you get started, but it can also help teach you how to, to do it on your own someday, if that's what you want to do. And if you don't, then you know, that's great too, because it just, it just gives you options. And for me, that's one of the things that I always have, have liked is trying to have options because I think if you have options, it gives you the ability to go in different directions instead of being forced to go in one direction because that's your only choice. All right, folks. Well, with that, we are going to wrap up our conversation for this evening. I wanted to thank everybody for taking the time to write us those fantastic questions. Keep them coming. We really enjoy answering these for you on the air. And hopefully you guys are getting some good takeaways from all the stuff that we are trying to dispense to you. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week. We'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.